from Matthew 17. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery and transformations and transfigurations, send your spirit upon both the hearing and reading of these ancient words that we might be attentive to your word for us this day. And I would pray that my words might be as a window clean with the blinds open, that each of us might experience your presence. In the power of your many names, we pray. Amen. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, before them, and his face shone like the sun, and its clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, Suddenly, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a a voice came from the cloud that said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground, for they were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until the Son of Humanity has been raised from the dead. Here ends the gospel. So when was the last time that God pinched you in the butt? And you had to stop and turn around and look at something differently. This is what happened on that mountain for James and John and Peter. It's as if God pinched them in a surprising way and they had to stop and regroup. Get up, said God. Get up, get over yourself. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Transfigurations change us. They make us uncomfortable and they can't be ignored. I've often wondered why this story, which is recorded in both Matthew, Luke, and Mark, made it into the Gospels at all. It is unquestionably one of the most bizarre accounts in the New Testament. And yet, it was so important that it's in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why? Something happened on that mountaintop. We just don't know what. So we wonder as is our way. Did it really happen? Did it not happen? Is what reported, recorded historical or is it metaphorical? Does it happen? Does it need to happen? Does it matter if it didn't happen? A few years ago at a committee on ministry meeting, uh, the convener, a Presbyterian colleague retired, was reading this passage of scripture from Matthew 17. It was the reading of the Transfiguration. And when he finished verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them not to tell about the vision until the Son of Humanity had been risen from the dead. He then said, the Transfiguration, it's a bunch of hooey. No one has ever witnessed a Transfiguration. And I thought to myself, hmm, some have. 
Now, I don't know if what's recorded, what's recorded in Matthew actually took place the way that Matthew step-by-step records it. And for me, this isn't what's important. What's important is that something happened. Something happened that changed the lives of John and Jesus and Peter and James. And that something that took place was a transfiguration, a radical transformation, a metamorphosis, where one and one equals three. Everything, everything is different following that experience. And I would venture to say that each of us here have experienced something similar. Now, it may not have been on a mountain, surrounded by a a bright cloud out of which we heard the voice of God. But there are events in our lives where we've been changed. Maybe not outwardly in appearance, but inwardly by a new knowing, by a new sense of reality. This may have happened when you fell in love. Even the term falling implies something beyond our control. This may have happened when you experienced a birth or a death. This may have happened when someone confronted you with something about yourself that you hadn't yet accepted. This may have happened when you came out of the closet if you were in one, hiding something core to your very self. This may have happened when you received accolade for something you've accomplished or attained or achieved. This may have happened when you were baptized or you presented your child for baptism as Lauren and Gethian are doing this morning with their daughter Camille. This may have happened when you had an encounter with the mystery we call God, something you couldn't fully explain or articulate, but you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt in your heart of hearts that you'd been changed, altered, transfigured, never to be the same again. Peter, James, and John were asked by Jesus to accompany him away from the crowd up to a mountain to pray. While there, these three witnessed Jesus in a radically new way. They saw him in a totally different light. Whomever they had thought he was prior to this counter didn't matter anymore because he now, for them, was Messiah. Jesus was transfigured and the disciples were transformed. This is how it works. Transformation follows transfiguration. So when have you come to see in your life a situation, a group of people, an individual differently? Think back, when has an attitude of yours changed? What preceded it? I believe what preceded your changed attitude was a transfiguration experience which allowed you to be able to experience mystery in a new way. But you first had to be still, you first had to pay attention, you first had to listen And that's what the voice from the cloud said to those on the mountain. Peter's behavior is classic of what happens when we don't get a transformation. 
In his classically Peter way, he tried to do something, anything. Oh, it's good for us to be here. I have always thought that was the most bizarre thing to say. But he was afraid. And when we're afraid, we say stupid things. Well, I do. Instead of being silent, he spoke into the silence and he said, let's make three dwellings here where it's safe. In fact, Peter, Peter, in his babbling on about nonsense about building tents or little huts, God interrupts him mid-sentence with an admonition to listen. Just listen. Nothing more. And this is actually our theme this Lent, which begins this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. But more about that next week. The voice from the cloud could not have been more clear. Listen. When have you listened, really listened? And when have you not? This is our work. This is the work of being transfigured for life, where we stop and hear and see and experience life differently. This work doesn't always take place on the mountain. No, I believe this work is valley work, where life is. It's in the valley where transformation and change takes place. You know, sometimes there's this misunderstanding about the spiritual life, like we have to go to a mountaintop or a desert or an ocean or a monastery or a retreat someplace other to encounter the holy, and oftentimes that might happen in those places. But if we don't come down into the valley to do the work, if you will, we miss the point of what happened in the encounter. Now, most of us are not called to the solitary life, but some are. That is indeed their true calling, to pray for the world, and to be about this serious work of holding the world in light. I literally shudder to think if all the monks and priests and hermits and holy ones stopped right now holding the world in light. You think things are bad now? This is their valley work. And our valley, my friends, is where our work takes place be it in the office or the courtroom or the boardroom or the classroom or the research lab or at a bedside. So wherever you find yourself this week, this is your valley where you can be transfigured for life. For it's in our valley places where transformations take place. For if not there then where? Barb and Dan run a home for mentally challenged adults. Most of their residents have Down syndrome and many have mental illness as well. One resident, Jane, diagnosed as manic depressive and Down syndromes had been giving them fits for weeks. Each evening for five days at night, Jane moved into a manic phase 
spending the evening screaming and throwing things, keeping everyone in the house awake. Barb was at her wit's end. In fact, she and Dan started questioning if they had the ability to do this kind of work and wondering if their first action should be moving Jane to some other facility or should they just throw in the towel. Late one night, at the end of one of Jane's very bad episodes, Barb tiptoed upstairs to kind of tuck in all the residents. She opened Jane's door and peeked in, and Jane hunkered down in her usual way with every blanket around her, so from the door all she looked like was a mound of blankets. Barb quietly walked around the bed and saw Jane's head lying on the pillow, and her head, her hands in kind of a prayer position under her cheek. The moon shone in through the window and highlighted Jane's face, and Barb simply gazed. As she did so, she was filled with a full and eerie and glorious sense that she was looking at the face of Christ. Suddenly, Barb whispered within her mind words that surprised her. I love you, Jane, she said. And just as she thought those interior words, because of course she didn't want to speak them aloud, Jane's eyes opened sleepily and mouthed, I love you. Barb and Dan are still in their home now after 17 years, doing their work down here in the valley. The encounter with God the encounter with Jane was God's way of saying to Barb, get over yourself. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Jane didn't change. Her behavior stayed the same. But Barb's encounter with Jane that night changed her forever. Jane was transfigured. Barb was transformed. And so it can be for you and me. Amen.